This is the Medical Matters Podcast, a program which brings direct information, engaging discussion, and insight into the current state and issues surrounding healthcare. Now, here's your hosts, Dr. Peter Breyer and nurse practitioner Kelly McCormick. Today's topic, we wanted to talk about uh, suicide in the uh, veteran uh, population. Yeah, the veterans uh, in general have a higher rate of suicide than the uh, uh, general public, and... Um, it's apparent that uh, in 2019 there were 6,261 veterans who took their life and about 17 veterans a day on the average take their life and apparently which is which is 52 percent higher than non-veterans right. is what and, the article said and, from the VA and they also have higher rates I believe of homelessness and poverty than uh, the average American vote talk about suicide, um, I believe that the, the VA has launched a uh, program called Reach Vet that aims to prevent veterans from dying by suicide. And uh, what it is is the, uh, this computer scans the electronic health records of all VA patients who've had a health care visit for any reason and it checks more than 140 variables, weighs them and estimates somebody's suicide risk at that moment in time. So they're using artificial intelligence to scan records looking for key pieces, key terms in their medical records. That might indicate a uh, risk of suicide. To build the algorithm, the computer combed through the medical records of 6,360 veterans confirmed to have died by suicide between 2009 and 2011. So, of course, some variables you would expect, like a past suicide attempt, mm -hmm. a diagnosis of depression or other mental illness, and a di or a diagnosis of terminal illness. Um, some others that added a lot of weight were surprising, like a diagnosis of arthritis or diabetes. Uh, and what they did was they flagged the highest risk cases, the top 0.1%, and uh, for mental health, a primary care provider to review. They reached out to the patients to tell them how their records were flagged, discussed any recommended treatments, and asked them to come in for a visit. Um, they feel that the research shows that this may reduce the risk of uh, suicide in some patients, and possibly maybe reduce it by 30% or so. That, I mean, a lot of times I think people who commit suicide uh, are at the, either at the total end of the road as far as being alone and lonely, and even if they have family and friends, they may feel that they're lonely or mm -hmm. locked out from everybody else and uh, I think I think that can contribute to uh, a suicide uh, depression and severe being being alone and lonely I think is a bad thing for people and um, I think vets have a higher uh, risk of something like that being males in general mostly um, they have I think uh, less friends 
than, than women do. So it's interesting that the the numbers is this fifty what fifty two percent higher in the military population versus the civilian population, and I think certainly understandable, right? I mean, these men and women, and they seem to be focused on the men, are you know have experiences that we civilians in kind of everyday life. Um, you know, don't experience, you know, they're exposed to, um, you know, probably what I would call the ugly realities of war and living that life. Um, Even going, even, I mean, there's nothing like combat. I mean, uh, that's known. But even going through basic training can be a pretty scary experience for some people, I would expect. Oh, I... I would imagine so. You know, again, you you have to have, you know, somewhat of a, you know, regimented um, schedule, regimented, Which you know, can be way, good for some people. right, way of doing things. And again, you can't have, you know, tens of thousands of soldiers kind of doing their own thing nilly willy. Um, you know, it has its, its purpose, I guess, in, in the, the regimentation, you know, of, of the service. So, so anyway, when these, uh, when they flag these people, mm-hmm. they reach out to them and try to develop a plan with these uh, patients. Now, s- some people tell them to get lost and, you know, don't want to have anything to do with them, and that's fine. But uh, they try to develop... People who are interested, they try to develop a plan which includes a list of personal triggers or warning signs, what's helped them in the past, organizations, removing means of suicide such as guns. And I think, of course, that's a question that's been tossed over forever. I think someone with a bad history of depression might, in an impulsive state, be able to access a gun easily and commit suicide, where if it wasn't so easy to access an impulsive type suicide, and a lot, I think, of the ones in teens and young people are impulsive, I would think. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't have any statistics yeah. to prove that. It's just what I think. And uh, also to give people <coughs> a reason for living. Um, so that's the plan they try to develop so with their patient. Yeah. So the main goal is to make a suicide safety plan, including all of those different aspects of, well, of the plan to, to reduce the risk. One, one thing, oh, it does say names of people or organizations who can support them, but I think a person who that they could reach out to, you know, that would be important, I think. If, of course, if you're reaching out to someone with no... Uh, professional training, it might could be a mistake, possibly. I don't know. Uh, but that's something to think about. If you have your psychologist or your, or your medical um, health professional who's ever working with you, a social worker or whoever, that you could reach out, someone that you could reach out to. Because like I said, I think some of it's due to loneliness. Uh, people don't have anybody to talk to. They're you know, they feel like they're alone in the world. Nobody cares about them. Right. I think that just hopeless. shows, you know, with 
somebody who's feeling depressed that you're just not in a good headspace. And I, I think if you're not in a good headspace, it's hard to see beyond that. Right. If you're in a bad headspace. And uh, certainly it's a problem a lot of people are in. <laughs> a bad yes, headspace. Yes, it is. It, yeah. It's, There's a lot of people in a bad headspace. Yeah. One way or the other. So, uh, I guess the question is, is this really workable or is it, you know, is it just a study where they had intensive, I mean, is it, is it something they can do in the real world? You know, does it work in the real world or is, <coughs> is this just study? I, that, I, right. I, I think, you know, since they have this program you know, in place and that it's something that they've been working on that, you know, as things improve or, you know, as, you know, months by months, years, year by year goes by, they'll be able to probably hone in on other factors when they're looking at, you know, these medical records that that increase the risk for, for right. individuals. And, and, and hopefully with privacy, the reaching... Privacy issue as well, I guess. Well, I would think that by, you know, again, you said that, you know, the, the these, these patients at the VA were contacted. Some were, you know, again, leave me alone. Right. And, which tells me that maybe they're, they're just not really in a, in a, in a great headspace as opposed to well, somebody that is like, okay, let me come in for a visit and let's talk about that. You know, what, what help is there available for me to, to be able to get through this? One, the responses ranged from, thank you for contacting me, let's talk, to what are you talking about, leave me alone. Right. And uh, they also, in this uh, article, particular article, talk about the um, this one veteran who was about to commit suicide when he actually looked at his car seat and saw a pamphlet for a self-help uh, organization and he called them and, that, and he didn't attempt suicide that day. But uh, he was asked what he thought if they had contacted him and he, uh, he had thought that they would, that, that would have helped him quite a bit. That, uh, he feels that he, he wouldn't have committed or attempted suicide that day if they had, if he had had this kind of support. Because yeah. he said he felt so alone that day, he couldn't talk to anyone. He had nobody to talk to. To about it, yeah. Feeling so alone. So I think that's... Um, so, yeah, I, I think you know, this quote that's in the article, I think is extremely important. It says, when you're able to put time and space between the suicidal thought in the access to the method to act on that thought, you save lives. And I think that that's, I think, you know, such a key and profound thought that, you know, again, getting, interrupting that thought pattern um, to then move, to be able to move past it and, and hopefully be um, successful in, you know, helping somebody you know prevent prevent their suicide yeah uh, I mean terminal illness that's I don't know 
I certainly that's different than a suicide from depression. I think. Well, I think anytime, you know, I think getting diagnoses like that, like a terminal illness, I think can you know create a depression. Obviously, mm-hmm. the situation and create a depression for somebody, and certainly some of the other things. You know, the the arthrit. You know, somebody with an arthritis. You know, somebody that's Can't mobile, walk. and all of a sudden their mobility is limited. They can't do the things that they used to do mm-hmm. um, and then maybe come more, you know, homebound or that kind of thing. I, I think, right. And diabetes you know, are, is a difficult diagnosis to deal with. Right. There's as well. a lot that goes on with diabetes between the test, testing your blood sugars, you know, the medications and trying to control it. Again, it consumes... Um, it can consume their life, or right? Pe- or you know, some people are lucky with diabetes and have good A1Cs with just pills and don't have to check their sugars very often. Right. So it depends. It's very variable. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting that uh, they're at least making an attempt to deal with this suicide problem they have in our veterans, uh, and I, I think that one thing is if they can improve their economic status, I think they will improve their rates of suicide too. I, I know after World War II they had that program, you know, where vets went to college. Mm-hmm. The, GI bi- still, the GI Bill. Do they still have that or I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me, me and, me and my COVID cough. Um, I, 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 honestly, I honestly don't know. I think um, when we were in the service. Um, I think, uh, you know, we had the the, B, G, uh, the GI Bill, GI and Bill. I think it is still. I think they um, present. They I think yeah. that's part of. Um, if you honorably discharged, yep. right? Yeah. Right. So. Well, that's an opportunity for vets to uh, to uh, get ahead. And, and, uh, yeah, gain more skill. Although, um, you know, I think the service certainly for a, a lot of people, you know, that may not be interested in college or that kind of thing. I think those experiences and certainly, you know, people that are in, you know, nuclear programs and the technical skills and, and all of that um, really provide them with a, a good foundation. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in the military for people to advance themselves, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it's, uh, it's a problem that uh, seems to be getting some attention. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see some improved statistics, maybe as other problems in the country improve, if they do. Uh, things may improve generally for our vets, too. Yeah. So one of the other things when we were kind of talking before we started recording was um, the the um, relationship between what you you kind of described as um, kids um, going into the service that were maybe from lower socioeconomic, right. well, I guess you know, childhood poverty. One question I had in my mind was whether, in my feeling was in general that people who are of lower socio 
economic status tend to go in the military more than people who are of higher socioeconomic status. Uh, it looks right out of high school. Say, if you're going, if you're graduating high school, you're looking at a dead end job or a job you don't like. Uh, going into the military is a reasonable option. A path, yeah. It gives you a chance to advance yourself educationally and and as a person. And, uh, it, you know, for some, I'm sure it's a good experience. Yeah. So so what we did is we kind of Googled um, that topic and did find in the National Library of uh, Medicine a study that was done. And this was looks like it was published in November of 2017, somewhere around there, 20, end of 2016. Um the relationship between childhood poverty, military service, and later life depression among men, and it was evidence from the health and retirement study, um, which, you know, I think, you know, my thought was different um, than Peter's about maybe the numbers of kids um, that did join the service um, that came from um, impoverished families. Right. Um, so yeah, so well, the, not necessarily even impoverished. I mean, uh, lower middle class, working class yeah. people. Well, they, just got, they refer to it as childhood poverty. So, yeah. well, let's look. Um, I mean, poverty is more extreme, too. Right, but they 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 what they did is they they had a couple of um, they looked at um, some indicators and uh, two of those being um, parental unemployment and then residential instability. Mm -hmm. um, experienced uh, before the age of 16. Um, and then they looked at military service was categorized uh, as veterans versus civilian and during the draft versus all volunteer after 1973. Um, and then um, it said uh, four in men, four in 10 men uh, ever served with 13% in the all-volunteer military, approximately 12% of, of civilians and 8% draft era, era and 24% all-volunteer era veterans had major depression. So they're looking at, you know, the numbers of, that of right? depression. That, that all-volunteers had a higher rate of depression? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yep. Um, and that uh, childhood poverty was associated with higher odds of uh, major depression and higher odds of um, military service. And then military service was marginally associated with major depression and did not moderate the association between childhood poverty and major depression, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, um, I was, I'm, I'm sort of surprised at that too. I wonder so, if, they, if so, they isolated combat out of a peacetime army if that Right, change. so the limitations of the study, which you know, kind of to me don't make sense. Like why was not any of this included in the study, which was they did not assess for childhood physical and emotional abuse or military combat exposure. Um, so, you know, I, I would think that if you included those aspects that we might see different numbers um, of major depression um, in in these individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the 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 
the old army, the draft army, where they drafted everybody, but they excluded college people in college mm -hmm. at the time. So again, they were even during the draft, they were really drafting people of lower economic status into the military. Um, and that was during a war, the Vietnam War. So uh, I think it's hard to isolate that out from what's going on with the suicide. Uh, but I think maybe a couple of things come to mind. Maybe better when they're discharging somebody, maybe having some kind of uh, program, you know, to acclimate them to the to the civilian world. to the civilian world. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some kind of program to acclimate. Uh, and are you saying program like a program from and to help like them get jobs? Tech, yeah, like a program to help them a get jobs. Right. But the other thing is, is there a pro you know a program to help them acclimate from kind of a mental right. health perspective um, in in those from military to civilian. Yeah, life. but not I guess not just from the job perspective, but I think. Obviously, if there's, you know, 50-something percent higher risk of suicide with veterans, you know, that mental health piece has to be a focus. The only thing is, is that if that extends their stay a week in the military, mm -hmm. they're going to have a hard time justifying it to a lot of people because a lot of people want help. I'm not saying that, that they have to keep somebody in the service. I'm saying that once somebody is discharged, uh, that there are programs, you uh -huh. know, and, you know, programs for veterans to address maybe some of the changes that they experience, not mm -hmm. just, you know, the search to find a job, mm -hmm. but to well, have the then how... And, uh, the, the, the VFW? BFW and what's the other one? American Legion. American Legion. Yeah. yeah. Don't they don't they help veterans? I I they do help veterans, but I'm not sure to the extent of, of mm. what they do right. to to help veterans. Yeah. Um I, I think they need to to do, you know, again, address the mental health aspect of, of things and um our shows are, Help you know, people through I mean, it. It, it's part of a whole trend in this country of uh, declining mental health for some reason, and uh, it's exacerbated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in by the high rates of suicide in the uh, military shows that, or the uh, veterans shows that, that uh, it's a societal problem, and, and uh, like I said, maybe the general tenor of things will improve over time. More surprising things have happened, and um, maybe the mental health will uh, improve somewhat. I think that I think that would be as important as this programs. I'm not even. I mean, they did have some good statistics on these programs, but I'm a little suspect sometimes of these kinds of programs because when they're doing the study, you know, they're they're dotting all the I's and and all the T's and. Everybody gets their follow-ups, and they call them ten times, you know. But in the real world, that's not going to happen. It's it's not going to be as intense. <coughs> so, um, so whether yeah. how successful something like that will be yeah. in a large scale is uh, something I, I can't predict. Yeah. But it's worth a try. Yeah. Well, I think when you're talking about you know 
the extent of you know the number of suicides each day in veterans and a day, it's hard I to think believe. it you know it warrants um, attention <laughs> yes thank you a lot of it a lot of attention a lot of attention yeah. it really does and uh, hopefully this uh, this program will be successful and help some some vets out of their problems so very good well thanks for listening to medical matters and we'll be back with another episode yep have a great happy healthy safe week you've been listening to the medical matters podcast listen weekly for more news and wisdom from professionals who provide direct patient care the information discussed on this program does not take the place of your provider check out past shows additional content and leave your questions and comments at medicalmatterspodcast.com